guys. Welcome to the second season of the Advanced Practice Perspectives. I'm Trisha Williams. And I'm Toby O'Brien. This is a podcast created by Advanced Practice Providers for Advanced Practice Providers. Our goal is to provide you with education and inspiration. We will be chatting with pediatric experts on timely key topics and giving you an inside look at the various advanced practice role at Children's Mercy. We are so glad that you're joining us today. So sit back, tune in, and let's get started. Today, we are pleased to have Jason Moberg on the podcast. Jason is a family nurse practitioner in the emergency department at Children's Mercy Hospital. We are so happy that you're here today with us, Jason. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. You bet. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I've been a nurse for 22 years now. Went back to get my doctorate about seven years ago at the uh, UMKC just across the street from Children's Mercy, and then took a job in the emergency department almost three years ago. Awesome. So what were your years of experience in nursing? Where were you mostly during those times? I had about 15 years of ICU experience. A friend of mine one day just asked me, have you ever thought about working with kids? And I really had never thought about that in the past, but my wife and I do have four children and I love being around kids and activities with kids. And so I talked to my cousin who actually works at Children's Mercy also, and I got a job in the PICU before I went back to school to get my doctorate. Great, Jason. Well, tell me what spurred you on to get your DNP. Well, I was in management for quite a while, about five years, um, enjoyed that piece of things, liked more about the learning about administration, the hospital, budgets, FTEs, all the, the ins and outs of running a hospital. But I really missed being at the bedside, being with the patients. And I spoke to my wife and we talked about it for almost a year before I decided to go back to school. And I've always wanted to do advanced practice. And at first I wanted to do possibly pick you where I was already located. But as I got deeper in my program, I realized I really wanted to do more preventative medicine rather than more heroic type measures like in the PICU. I kind of like the one-on-one meeting parents initially when a child's injured. I read in your bio that you have a, a huge interest in weight management. Is that correct? And preventative health in that aspect. That was the focus of my my thesis in school was talking about actually teenage females and their self-esteem when it comes to their weight. I worked with several providers on the Children's Mercy campus And I just basically walked through about a year of these kids starting the program, meeting other children and then participating in the the activities and watched their self-esteem increase even with not so much weight loss, but just people there to help them to speak through the difficulties of being overweight as a child. And it was a pretty rewarding experience. That sounds very rewarding. So it leads to my curiosity about you working in the emergency department and how you connect the dots with your need for preventative medicine and fulfilling that professional growth to working in the emergency department when they come in with an illness or an injury. Yeah, it actually started when I was in the PICU. I'm not sure if you're familiar too much with the PICU, but there's a lot of just super sick kids there. It's my old stopping grounds. Yeah. It's my old, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, you know, sometimes into life situations, things like that. And I had two uh, children back to back. One was a, a 10-year-old female who tried to commit suicide and try to hang herself. And mm-hmm. I took care of the family and, and the child for about three weeks before she finally passed away. Two weeks later, the nurse manager in charge nurse asked me to be part of another family. A really sad story where a four-year-old had, had not had his proper asthma medication and pretty much had a hypoxic event at home 
and was again end of life and it was basically a uh, organ donation situation. It just so happens during that time period, one of my kids is a 10-year-old girl and one of my boys is a four-year-old male. <laughs> so it really kind of set things in motion for me to realize that you know, maybe a higher power was telling me I shouldn't be in the PICU. I should be someplace where I could help kids before they get to that point. And that, to me, was the emergency department. Those are really hard stories, and especially when you have kids that age, and it really gets to you and can make a pretty big impact on your life. So so it sounds like being in the emergency department, you are going to interact with a lot of those sorts of families. Like, of course, you're asthmatics, and you have the opportunity to do lots of education, I'm guessing. So tell us what some of your favorite sort of encounters are in the ED. You know, it's, it's it's fun working there because I get to do different at the spectrum, clear from, you know, even like a motor vehicle crash down to someone who can't give Tylenol appropriately to their child, you know. So, and I really take a lot of, it's really rewarding to talk to families and give them some basic information about, you know, how to give Tylenol ibuprofen correctly or how to feed a baby, you know, the appropriate amount of food and how to do that. You know, it's just very basic things that some of the families that we, we service downtown don't have access to, you know, proper medical care, you know, primary care providers, those kind of things. And they do turn to us to, to help with some of that. I've never thought of the emergency department in that way. I guess I look. I looked at it as the motor vehicle crashes and the patients that come in that are acutely ill. Not that you can help them from a primary care standpoint, but it sounds like you really, really can. So that I find that interesting. I think about stitches and x-rays and, you know, casting and things as well when I think about the emergency department. Are there any specific things that you like to do or you know, thrive on doing, you know, like when you get a procedure, it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I always like procedures. I like sutures. I like, you know, kids are always putting things in interesting places in their ears, noses, mouths, things like that. So this we know in the ENT. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So I try to prevent them from going to see you guys to help get those out of there. And that's some kind of parents are always upset and, you know, think it doesn't happen to anybody else. But there's always two or three a day you see like that, which are, you know, the, the procedure part is always fun. And, you know, some of our my colleagues there, you know, they, they do LPs. They do, you know, G2 placements. And they, they do some pretty pretty cool stuff down there. And, you know, depending on our, your experience level and your comfort level, you know, you can do and, you know, get uh, certified in all kinds of different procedures. I find it fascinating the gamut in which advanced practice providers can really practice just based on different credentialing and things from all the way from doing, you know, like you said, LPs to foreign body removals to, you know, history and physicals. It's just like there's no limit really to what we can do as advanced practice providers. So I find that fascinating. Yeah, no, and the best part is the environment I work in with, you know, our emergency trained physicians, the pediatricians that are worked down there, other advanced practice nurses. I mean, they were part of one big team. And they, it's been very comforting as a new new grad coming into an environment like that to have some of these docs take me aside and say, hey, let me show you how to do this or think through this or, you know, use this resource, those kind of things. And it's been, it's only gotten better over the past three years with the pandemic, with changes at the hospital, things like that. It's just made our group even uh, closer and more close-knit. And I think we provide better care because of it. Absolutely. It sounds like it. it. It is really nice to have a team that you can work so closely with. I will echo that for sure. Well, Jason, as we head into the summer, we would love to pick your brain about some summer tips, summer emergency department type tips for our providers and maybe any 
families that are listening as well. But last year, we had the opportunity to visit with Cassandra Newell, and she was great and gave us some some good tips on some different things like sunscreen and bug spray. But I just was curious if, since you have four kids and you work in the ED, if there's any big sort of overarching themes that you always like to educate families on when you interact with them during the their ED visit regarding summer safety. Yeah, I asked some of my colleagues about this before our podcast today, and there were three major areas they talked about. One was helmet safety, second was playground injuries, and third was water safety. So mm. those are the three big, I think, summer hot button things we see in the ER. And number one, bicycle helmets. I'm not sure why bicycle helmets haven't really taken hold or taken off. I mean, n- n- none of us get in the car and don't buckle a seatbelt. You know, it's become mm-hmm. habit to do that with everything. But unfortunately, if I go through my neighborhood and see 10 kids on a bike, maybe one or two is wearing a helmet. Oh, yeah. Same here. It's like in my neighborhood, they know that I'm the healthcare provider of the neighborhood because no one else's kids are wearing helmets but mine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what my kids are not the cool parent, believe me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm not sure why it hasn't, but it prevents so many simple injuries. And I, I, I always tell parents, you know, if, if you can, if you're on a, a device that you can go as fast and you can run, you should probably be wearing a helmet, rollerblades, razor scooters, anything like that. That's really good advice. The water safety is a big one for me. Like swim lessons aren't an option in in our family. You had to learn how to swim. It's safety. It's life-saving. So that's a big one in my household as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think with our proximity to Lake of the Ozarks, too, you know, we have lake safety and also just residential pool safety. And I think, I mean, I'll just use my family as an example. My wife's a nurse also, and we took all four of our kids to the pool about, you know, probably 10 years ago. And, you know, you're carrying five bags and a cooler and everything else, and the kids are running to the pool, and all of a sudden our three-year-old jumps in. Well, (laughs) Cooper couldn't swim and had no life jacket on. And luckily, a mom was sitting right there by the pool and pulled him out. But I mean, a lot of the public pools now, and even, you know, residential pools and family pools don't have lifeguards. So you've almost got to talk before you go and say, okay, who's in charge of being a lifeguard first, mom or dad or older brother, Mm -hmm. whoever's going to be to watch the younger kids. So that's a pretty scary situation. And that's something that's, I think, again, easily preventable. Right. And I think using each interaction with our families as an opportunity to kind of provide this insight is, you know, we just can't do it enough. I think it's super important. Definitely. I agree. I think one of the things that I, with my PICU, I have a 10-year PICU experience as well, Jason, and I think about lawnmower safety and the traumas oh, yeah. that I would have to go to because, you know, grandpa had, you know, little Johnny on his knee during on the riding lawnmower and little Johnny fell off and grandpa ran over Johnny's foot. And I just, I see that in my neighborhood and I just want to pull over and say, get off of the lawnmower. And you also see the teenagers that are out there mowing the grass for mom or dad who are wearing flip-flops or bare feet and it's just that drives me nuts as well because that's yes. trip and pull that mower over your foot. I would agree. Closed-toed shoes on bicycles as well. I was a yeah, three, a, yeah. a product of a three-year-old. I was a three-year-old child and was on the back of my sister's bike and did not have shoes on and it was before they had the safeguards on the bicycle chains and oh. the bicycle oh chain gosh. wrapped around my big toe and took my toe almost completely off. Um, oh, so closed-toed shoes awful. on bicycles. <laughs> it was really gross. So closed-toed shoes. I think that there's so many little tips that we can 
can get in for emergency safety, you know, yeah. helmets, bicycles, water safety, lawnmowers, you know, all of those things are excellent. What was the third mm-hmm. one that you had mentioned, Jason? Sorry, I forgot that one. Playground equipment. Playground, like I, I think yeah. if any ER provider would tell you, if you could get rid of all the trampolines and monkey bars, it'd be a much safer world. <laughs> it's just, we, <laughs> we have so many injuries, you know, trampolines <laughs> flying off, you know, people falling off monkey bars, that kind of stuff. It happens, I mean, all the time. So, you know, you want your kids to be kids, but just be safe about it. Make sure you're watching them. And yeah. sometimes what helps the most is if a family can just tell us just the mechanism of an injury. If they bring them mm-hmm. into the ER with you from a fall or something like that, we can better diagnose and make it better for the, the kiddo that comes in. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. The, um, if our monkey bars and trampolines went away, our orthopedic colleagues may um, <laughs> lose a little job security, but that is definitely for sure. <laughs> definitely for sure. I was, I'm a my both of my children broke bones on monkey bars and trampolines, and that's exactly the speech that I got from the provider in the ER. Is that you know we don't really support trampolines and monkey bars, but they are fun. So they are, sir. Um, they are they are fun. Well, Jason, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure to visit with you and to hear about life in the ED and really what kind of led you down that path of getting your DNP. And we're so glad that you are an ED provider at Children's Mercy. So thank you so much for your time. We like to end each of our episodes asking you a question. We kind of ask everybody the same question. So this season, our question is, what is the most sensible or useful piece of advice you have heard lately? Wow. Let's see. I would say just be present with your kids. You know, make sure you're there and make sure you're watching over them. Make sure you're just, you know, always being their advocate. And it's hard sometimes to be that parent. I think like Tricia said about making, you know, you're the healthcare provider in the neighborhood and making them wear the helmet. I mean, it's for their, for their good, you know, so they, 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 they should appreciate that. And, you know, they won't at that time for sure. But I think if uh, parents in the ER would tell you they much prefer to have them wear the helmet and get a little flack from the kids and not have it on. Yeah, very, very wise advice. I love that because, you know, one, be present with your kids, pay attention, be the parent, don't be their friend, be their parent, because you can't get some of that stuff back, you know, so that that's really good advice, Jason. Thank you again for joining us today. And listeners, thank you so much for tuning in today. If you have a topic that you would like to hear about, or you're interested in being a guest, you can email us at tdobrien.com at cmh.edu or twilliams at cmh.edu. Once again, thanks so much for listening to the Advanced Practice Perspectives.